To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not just their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. To the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. Alrighty, we just went. Hello everyone and welcome back to... The Chiss Ascendancy. This is episode 52. 52, it's a great number. It's a great number and it signifies the end of a physical year. Not a fiscal year, which is finances, but a physical year. Um, so we've been doing this for about a, about a year. This is our 52nd episode. And so next week we got something special planned. Uh, but this is, uh, all about the light of the Jedi. The light of the Jedi. Guys, exciting stuff. We cranked this one out to be able to do, uh, the book review. And so we want to talk about the launching of the high Republic era and um, we talked about it, the launch, last week, but we want to specifically get into this book. Um, and so we'll do a spoiler-free review first, and then we'll get into spoilers a little bit later. So if you haven't seen, haven't seen, LOL, if you haven't read The Light of the Jedi, um, then you're going to want to cut this off and either read it or listen to it if you're a fan of audiobooks. And if you don't plan on it, then you can just listen to the episode. And you can learn the story, which is kind of what we're doing. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some spoiler-free stuff, and then we'll jump in. Uh, so first of all, spoiler-free review. Um, how did you feel about The Light of the Jedi by Mr. Charles Soule? We kind of talked about it last week a little bit, how I felt about it. But I think that it's like it's felt the most like legends that we've gotten under Disney. Yeah. So that's very exciting for me as someone who loves legends. Yeah. Um, and I love exploring new aspects of the force and I love um, just kind of pushing those boundaries and mm -hmm. I love good villains and I got yeah. all those things. Yeah. Um, my friend Caleb King always says that the reason that Marvel, the reason that Marvel makes more money, but DC uh, as far as, one single character that's more iconic. I guess Thanos now has kind of taken a big role, but for the longest time, it was like Marvel made more, you know, more money and things like that. But the most iconic villain was DC villains because of the depth of the character. Um, and so it'd be like, oh, this is a cool bad guy for, you know, Red Skull or whatever, which is cool. But the Joker is so iconic because he's just that more of an iconic villain. He's got that depth, he's got that backstory. And so going into this, we were very nervous about. Can they create a villain that ha we that will be intrigued about that'll push the story? And they and they really did. I think they did a good job. Mm -hmm. um, so as you can see, we're not in our normal studio. Uh, just once we pulled out all the stops, and it's been kind of a pain, but we're doing it. And so I appreciate Samuel working with me on this. Uh, this is the Star Wars room at my house, and so uh, we're not going to give you a whole tour, but it, we thought it'd be cool to have this in the background for one episode before we. Uh, this is kind of like a penultimate episode since it's our 52nd. Uh, so I agree. I think that it felt a lot like Legends, which, like you said, is is a huge plus for me. Um, you know, there was good Legends and there was bad Legends. Uh, but similar to Star Wars Rebels, the highs were very high. Um, and so I felt like, you know, you had the... You have some really good stuff in canon so far that Disney's, you know, helped produce and Star Wars books has helped produce. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, Heir to the Empire, Darth Bane trilogy, excuse me, stuff like that. It's that's peak Star Wars literature, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And it really felt like we were getting back to that style. Um, okay, so on a scale of one to ten, uh, one being the worst Star Wars book you've ever read. And ten being um, Darth Bane: Path of Destruction. Where do you to rank think about this the one? Worst Star Wars book I've ever read. I'm looking around at my bookshelves. Um, okay, 
the one you always make fun of is the Bounty Hunter Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like them, but they are kind of cornier sometimes. Okay. Um, it's Boba Fett saying... I'm going to give it like a nine and a half. Ooh, 9.5 out of 10. Wow. High praise from me. That's very high. Yeah. It's very high. Very to, high. To quote K2SO. Um, ooh, I don't know if I can go that high. Oh, man. I can. But here's the thing. The thing that really... Not that it surprises me, but the thing that makes me really take a step back and and think about the greatness of this book is that you are literally in the middle of finishing re-listing to the Heir of the Empire trilogy, mm-hmm. which is, you know... You know... The Godfather. I've got to say... Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Don't hang me. Here we go. Hot I takes. like Thrawn as he's reinvented more than I like original Thrawn, having read them all. Oh, really? Having read the new stuff recently. Uh-huh. And also, like, now rereading The Heir to the Empire. Okay. I think I like Thrawn better. We're trying to keep this under 45 minutes, so I'm not going to ask you why. <laughs> give me give me a quick explanation of what that means. Um, I think he's just a more unique villain Yeah, in, under his reinvention. Well, he's more well-rounded for sure. Yeah, he's more, I don't know, to use a less stupid word, but villainy uh, <laughs> in the original ones. You know what I mean? He's got to have yeah. that edge. Um, and he's still, I don't know, I think he's more easily duped. And I think he's a little bit less in control in Heir to the Empire. Interesting. I think he's a little bit cleverer, even though he has like a more obvious flaw under the new invention, which would be his political ineptitude, which is somehow very important. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, there's somebody that's, you know, love him or hate him. Donald Trump's completely politically inept and he was the president. It's just kind of funny how like it doesn't really hold you back as much as. It's written to seem to hold Thrawn back. I mean, he still made Grand Admiral, so... Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you're rating. Um, man. Okay, I would probably say an eight. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. It's not good enough. It's a B plus. It, it's really, really good. I guess I can give it a nine. I can't give it a nine and a half because I think oh. about... I think about this, okay? Here's... here's. I'll tell you why. It's not even like a half a point lesser than Path of Destruction. What I'm saying is Path of Destruction is a straight-up 10. Yeah. So... But here's the thing. He had a lot less to do. Drew Carpishan had a lot less to do in Path of Destruction. He had to set up one ball in character, and then everybody else revolved around him. Yeah. There Charles is a Soul lot... had to set up a <clears throat> lot. There is a lot of characters that I like about this and story. And he handled them so well. That's the true. The villains are good villains. There's, like, the ones you wish you could strangle... There's the ones that are brilliant. They're the ones that are withheld and then gloriously revealed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. Because he had so much conceptually to unravel. You know what I mean? I think it was. But also hold done. back. Exactly. Okay. But think about this. I think about. Oh, Dad comment. It's also hard because when I think about books, there's some of the best books are in a series. So it's easy for me to be like, yeah, but have you read Star Wars Betrayal? And I'm thinking of. One through nine of that series. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's pretty high. It's pretty good. Uh, I can see where you give it a nine and a half. I'm going to give it a nine simply because it's not as good as Path of Destruction. Yeah. And it's not. Which is a 10, though. So Correct. But it's not better to me than, for instance, um, okay, what's Plagueis for you? Like a nine. <laughs> so you think that Light of the Jedi was better than Plagueis? Here, so here's the thing. I just, I think that Plagueis is very similar to Darth Bane. Yeah, I think that Charles and Soule did I a lot would of work. Have liked Plagueis more if it had focused less on Sheev. I understand true. why it focuses so much on Sheev, but I think what's so beautiful about Path of Destruction to me mm-hmm. is I love a book that has one storyline that's really good as opposed to like four or five storylines that are okay and you're jumping between those things. That's true. This has multiple Mm storylines and they're all really good. They're all really well done. Okay, whatever. Nine and a half. It's pretty good. (laughs) The thing is, I guess... I've had a little time to process it too. You literally just finished it. I've been sitting on it for like a day. Yeah, that's true. I want to say that it's really, really good. Um... And I think that even if I left it at a nine, it will go up 
as more product comes mm. out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm going to start a test of courage tomorrow. Okay, cool. Yeah, I will do. Do you got the audiobook? Yeah, it's only like four and a half hours. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. cool. It's a little read. Um, okay, so one through ten. So somewhere between nine and nine and a half for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, what are books that it reminds you of from Legends? Um, it kind of, I don't know. It just feels Legends familiar and yet it's very unique. Yeah. It, okay, so in the Legacy of the Force series, mm-hmm. which you're also reading... Mm-hmm. Um, there are multiple villains. You know, it does feel really similar to Heir to the Empire a little bit. Yeah. I think the reason that I prefer, this is getting back on Thrawn, but the reason that I think I might prefer Thrawn from the old stuff is because I prefer the old books more than I prefer the new books. And it's because the supporting characters are better in those books. Does that make sense? Uh disagrees in Eli Vanto. Yeah, but we didn't get Eli Vanto hardly at all. I, it was a joke. Except for the first book. Meme. I made a meme. The first book is Live really action good. action meme. Um, okay, like for instance... Uh, okay. I guess like Thrawn for me is like the path of destruction, but for Thrawn. Because yeah. there, the Empire series focuses like 30% on Thrawn, if that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But I think that... Um, Whereas... I guess I... The I, new I Thrawn wish, books are like you know what I haven't got percent Thrawn. What I'm waiting on, which we will get inevitably, um, this is kind of a, well, this kind of goes into news a little bit, but supposedly it hasn't come out from like Collider or like officially from Star Wars or anything, but word on the interwebs is that Lars Mikkelsen has officially Mm. signed on to play Thrawn in the Ahsoka live action series. And the talk is that he signed on for that contract, but that he'll be in multiple shows. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think he'll be in The Mandalorian, things like that. Yeah. He's I've basically the Thanos of the Disney Plus Star Wars universe. Yeah, he's a little... Is what I've heard. He's a little brilliant. But this is the Thanos that we're getting under the new regime. You dig? What do you mean? Like, it's just... It's the Thrawn that, that we have now under canon. Yeah. Okay, so the reason that I... I'm waiting anxiously... We'll have to talk about this another time. We've got so much to for cover. Thrawn... To be in his element. We still haven't seen him in his element yet. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, not in like not on the screen. Well, like, okay. The the funnest ride is the the self-titled Thrawn novel where you see him getting to be his own self. Yeah. And I'm just so sick of the politics. Yeah. I mean he's shredding. Um I'm like I wanna see where Thrawn has a little bit more dominance in um the Chiss Ascendancy. Yeah, uh, for the new book coming out. I but. I do want to. I just want to see him like not have to worry about all the bullcrap. And there's like no politics involved in the Air of the Empire trilogy, and he's large and in charge, and yeah, it's I can, more fun to watch. I can appreciate that. I think he, they just if we got a whole book of that guy, that would be another level, and we will. Eventually. I don't know. I kind of like the gentlemanly nature of the softer edges thrown. No, that's fine. I just want a book where he's that guy, but <laughs> he has no leash. Yeah, that's fine. I get that. Um. Okay. So. It did remind you of Heir to the Empire. Yeah, I think it's just the feel of, um, I don't know, there's just, and you know what? <laughs> I'm going to say it. I, I have to finish the sentence and I'm going to start. I'm going to do it here soon. Uh, I think that as far as for what it does for the Force, it did way more for the Force and the Jedi than most of what I've read in Legends. Yeah, this... Um, this... It really explores the boundaries, the light side of the force. And yeah. I think the only books that really do that in Legends, for the most part, I haven't finished the the other series, but Legacy it's mostly it's mostly dark side. Right. Well, that's what sells. Yeah. So to take the Jedi and mm-hmm. go, hey, you don't know the Jedi. Yeah. You know, for hardcore fans like us, we're like, well, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. But then we read it and we were like, all right, Charles, you're right. <laughs> you knew him. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think that the Darth Revens, the Darth yeah, no. Malgus, the just, Darth Bane. I'm just reading about what they're doing, and I'm like, continue. Yeah. You know? Well, it's it's fun. I'm all the way here for it. Yeah, dude. it's fun to root for the Jedi. It's cool to be... like Okay. I, in books, like 80% of the time, am rooting for the villain. Right. So it's cool to be excited about the good guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I don't well, get that. Even, I'm very rarely excited for the good guy. Right. Well, even like the Mandalorian, which is like the best thing that Disney Star Wars has done, mm-hmm. 
is a bad guy that's turning good. Yeah. It's not straight up, here's a good guy, root for him, Mm -hmm. you know? And everybody loves a villain. Everybody loves, you know what I mean? Yeah. So these are characters that the villain is very compelling, Mm -hmm. but the good guys are really cool. And like you said, now that you say it, there was a lot of character development. There was a a lot lot of character development for like, we got what, like 15 or 16 different Jedi that we talked about, and I'm still, like, emotionally attached to all of them. We had to trim off the list of the ones we were just going to talk about yeah. because there would be too many. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so at this point, uh, we are um, we're about 15 minutes in. So let's go ahead and just say, if you haven't read the book and if you plan to read it or listen to it, you need to spread your wings and fly from this video and come back later. Um, we want you to watch our in-depth spoiler filled review but this is your warning i'm dragging this out so you can get off of here you've been warned it's a warning okay uh okay let's talk about the freaking force abilities that these jedi have oh because God. it's off the charts dude it is sensational <laughs> uh dude it's so it's it's amazing because um Dude, I don't even know. I just feel like the Jedi are overwhelmed in everything I see. Yes. And then, like, okay, even the great Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, he's finally force projecting, and we're like, what a bad son of a gun. (laughs) And then you look at him, and he looks like he's in the microwave. He's like, oh, like, he's crapping his pants up there. Well, even like, even the Luke Skywalker that we have in Heir to the Empire, he's like, can I send somebody on this planet? Yeah, you know what I mean. He's still yeah. he's still stretching his legs. He's still figuring out his his Jedi abilities. And right. Obviously, he gets there. But right. Well, the thing is, for Luke, he's is, like the only Jedi redis- we ever see push the boundaries. Yeah, it's a rediscovery of what it means to be a Jedi, especially mm-hmm. in *Heir to the Empire* before right. the prequels were announced. And so it's like, you know, you have weird stuff in *Heir to the Empire*. Weird, according to what we know now, but it's mm-hmm. like. Ben couldn't be there anymore because he had to die all the way. <laughs> and now we know the cosmic force is a thing. Yeah. Um, Qui-Gon's like, what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's funny because Luke is having to rediscover things, especially mm-hmm. in the Air of the Empire books, because there is no other master. There is no other teacher. Yeah. And these guys, it's peak. It's peak Jedi. And so it's, um, okay, go ahead and talk about Loden a little bit. Okay, real quick. Can we talk about how there's like three Grandmaster Jedis right now? Yeah, so you have Yoda and another guy. And then another guy that was mentioned in passing. I can't remember the name. There was like a third Grandmaster Jedi. Oh, really? Yeah, not the one that came with Yoda to the Starlight Beacon to appoint Avar Chris. Sorry, big spoiler. We talked about it a little bit last week, I think, in the in the comics. In the comic. That one's not as big of a reveal. Okay. But I think there were three Grandmaster Jedi. I think it seems less of a position and more of just like a very difficult to attain rank. Oh because Yoda is Grandmaster and he's not even on the council right now. Correct. Well he's on sabbatical. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't he took a Mon Cal, first Mon Cal Jedi I think we've seen in Canon. Nope. Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. F that guy. Anyway. Uh, this guy's the first good Mon Cal Jedi we've right. seen. Yeah. Well, you'll, you're reading Legacy of the Force. You'll get there. Canon, I said. Uh, but, yeah. So, anyway. one It's a rare species to oh, be for sure. on the Jedi Council. And so, yeah. Yoda chooses somebody. to. He's on sabbatical. He's running around the galaxy with I thought that was very cool. I thought it was cool. And I think it was a smart move because mm-hmm. it's just... Yoda's one of those dominant characters. Everybody wants to see him. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool that he's on sabbatical, and I think it's cool that he gets to a point who's in his chair. Yeah. I also thought it was cool that from however hundreds of light years away, he was still joining in and moving an object mm-hmm. via the Force. That's freaking sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was cool that... Um, yeah, I will never watch the prequels the same ever again. <laughs> right? Uh, what's his name? Uh, the older... The older Master Jedi. Um, oh, you're thinking of Porter Angle. Um, Porter Angle. Uh, I thought it was cool how much he referenced the luminous beings thing. Mm-hmm. And now we wonder maybe if Yoda picked that up from him because Porter Angle was 300 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. It's possible that Yoda picked up a thing or two from him. Yeah. So if if I mean they're... Yoda dies at 900, and this is let's say 250 years before that, he's you know 650 years old. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, he's still going to be like twice the guy's age, but it you learn something from somebody yeah, in 300 years. But it seems like Porter Angle was kind of like the Qui-Gon of this book. He seems like he was a bad, bad man. Well, it talks about he was called the Sword of Something. Yeah. And he didn't like being called that, and he had removed himself from... I think he was just like, maybe like the martial expert at the time. Yeah. Well, they say... Okay, so Loden Greatstorm is the Jedi that we probably get the most action out of. I don't know. There's a lot of Avar, Chris. I'm saying like fighting action. Yeah. She's more of like a... Please extend She's your hands this way really as we can cool stuff, though. No, no, I'm saying just fighting-wise. Yeah. We get the most out of Loden. Yeah, no, Loden is... But there's this moment where love. Loden's fighting, and uh, Master Angle steps in, and uh, Loden's Padawan is like, this guy was on another level. He thought Master Loden was good. Yeah. But this guy was on a whole other level to Pastor, Master Loden. Well, and, you know, well, I think Loden's just a Jedi Knight at this point. Yes. And so Loden is... Uh, Which goes to show you how powerful Jedi Knights were at the time. Right. Because he was doing stuff and I was like, how is this guy not a doing, master? Right. He was doing some Jedi Master caliber Which stuff. Which also too. makes me super duper excited mm-hmm. for when we finally get to see a skier do things because he is a Jedi he Master. He is a Jedi Master. Uh, I'm going to see what he's going to do out there. All gimpy. Poor guy got his freaking arm blown off. Yeah. I think it was like cut off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like... Uh, they said a sharp metal object. Yeah, got blasted him at the joint. through his freaking canopy and his fighter. Well, I saw a picture of him before everything dropped, and he was fighting with one arm, and I was like, no, it has to grow back. And then in the book, it it's said already it would be back. back in the and book. I was like, okay, good, 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 good. Um, but yeah, no. So we have Loden Greatstorm. He's one of the more accomplished Jedi Knights, I think, that we're aware of. And uh, and he's hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's a G. I liked when he was getting ready to fly into... Uh, the the Nihil's ship mm-hmm. and she was like what's your plan he's like I don't know trust in the force or something <laughs> he reminds me of Sergeant Doodoo from the inspector but like super intelligent <laughs> you know what I'm talking about don't he's... say see say we see I mean I don't know <laughs> yeah freaking Chico he was like I will trust in the force or something I don't know except for he's French yeah yeah, it just kind of drifted into Sergeant Doo there, <laughs> but yeah, he's super funny. Um, and I liked how it talked about he had he had kind and joyful eyes until he didn't. Yeah, I liked that uh, Porter appreciated Loden's sense of humor because all the Jedi were so stoic all the time. Yeah, he said they were too serious for their own good, and and Loden brought a a much welcome joy with a him, much welcome sense of humor. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because I aspire to be that man in my circle of friends. <laughs> all right, so Briaga, Wookie Jedi. Yeah. Uh, not the first one that we've seen in canon because there was the Wookiee Padawan that we have in the Ilum story arc. Yeah, Clone Wars. Um, I forget his name, but he's a Jedi apprentice. He is especially gifted in sensing the emotions of other beings. Yeah. And there's the moment at the very beginning of the book where they're like, oh, crap, all this debris flying out of space. Let's just blow yeah. it away. And he has a very, very strong sense of life yeah. and emotion. And I think they're kind of hand in hand where he mm-hmm. feels the anxiety and the fear um, from, you know, however far away. And mm-hmm. that's when they zoom in and they're like, oh, there's people there. Yeah. And so he's very powerful. And he's uh, he's, he's very powerful. He's very powerful. He's a furry cool guy. <laughs> but, Righteous uh, furry? What? Righteous furry? <laughs> he was really cool. He was uh, cool. There's that character at the very, very beginning of the book who gets caught basically watching Star Wars porn on oh. the ship, Surge. And he was like, I was embarrassed, so I was going to go and put the captain on blast, and that's when I killed everyone <laughs> on the ship. You could tell that he felt kind of like responsible. He didn't really know what happened. And then it was cool that Briaga was like, mm-hmm. he could tell. It was cool because he spoke, but then obviously they translated it. Yeah. Um, and I liked how uh, in the prequels, which is the most Jedi content we have up to this point, I guess mm-hmm. besides Clone Wars, but that kind of counts as a prequel. Yeah. Um, Everyone's like you said, very serious. Everyone's um, there's just so boy Obi-Wan. there's so much going on that no one takes time to slow down and like ask how are people doing. Minus how... the stretch where he's completely stressed out by Anakin in Episode Two, right? 
Uh, yeah, so it's it was so cool because there's this moment where Bur Yaga reaches down and hugs him, mm-hmm. and he says he just didn't understand how nobody had thought to hug this young the mm-hmm. boy yet. I thought that was sweet, and I was like, dang. Yeah, so we got Briaga, we got Avar Chris, who we've talked about a little bit. She's a Jedi Master, basically large and in charge for most of the book. Yeah. Um, she's good to have around, mainly for the fact that she's able to kind of unite Jedi in a direction. So mm-hmm. if there are a lot of Jedi working on something, she's able to kind of keep them on the same wavelength. Yeah, she has a very... Uh, so it was really cool because I loved... I had never heard of this before, this book, Legends or Canon, that different Jedi feel the Force different ways. I feel that I've definitely heard that before somewhere. Not to this depth, though. I'll have to find it, but I I, I feel like I have. Please remind me because okay. I'm drawing a blank. Just the different... Okay, like... um. Yeah, it's just like... She sees it as... She's obviously like... Yeah, she hears it as a song. Musically inclined as far as the Force is concerned. So like different people have different harmonies and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting because if you're a musician or a singer or whatever, when you're when you're in a band or you're listening to a song or you're watching someone at a concert and someone's like, you know, playing and they're ging or, you know, someone's voice is off, mm-hmm. you're like, ah. Can't relate. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because that's kind of how it's like when someone's off balance emotionally or like, I guess, spiritually, she senses that the way that you can hear when someone's off key. Yeah. And uh, or, we see uh, more of that in the comic. Yeah. So there's uh, another Jedi uh, Knight turned master in the book, uh, Elzar Man, and he kind of identifies the force as a sea, like a big ocean mm-hmm. and the depths of it and the way that that relates to other people somehow. And her. Mm. And uh, they kind of have a thing. Um, Uh, But uh, to me, it was very interesting because uh, there was very cool. Elzar Mann was a Jedi that had stayed a knight for a really long time mm -hmm. because the Masters could not understand the way he operated within the Force. And he seemed like a guy, not, he's not a weirdo and he's not cocky. But he he's only described does as a tinkerer. Yeah, with he the only force. he uses the force a certain way one time. Yeah, as much as he can because he wants to understand more of the force. Which I, I can get behind that. When I, I was think, reading yeah. that, I was I was thinking, it was interesting to me that two hundred years before the fall of the Jedi, there was already a a, a sprinkling of you don't do things the way that most of us do things, so we're not sure about you. Mm-hmm. Which is really, that really has a stronghold, uh, the dogma of Jedi. Mm-hmm. We all do this thing one way. Yeah, you know? but I mean, his curiosity about the Force led him to discover some very cool things. Like, for instance, yeah. there's a moment in the book where um, there's a massive supercomputer that's outside because it needs to dissipate heat and it starts overheating. And he basically tells Avar Chris, he's like, I've never tried this before, but the theory is sound. And essentially he... uh, Changes the weather pattern. He, yeah, he manipulated the water in the atmosphere to make it rain. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's freaking crazy. I've never seen anything like that outside of Path of Destruction. Yeah, no, never. It was was amazing um, to hear... uh, I was listening to the book and I texted you and I was like, are they making it rain? Uh, that was really cool because mm-hmm. they were, it talked about how the computer was beginning to overheat and like really rapidly. And mm-hmm. they were so close to figuring out the last puzzle piece to figure out, you know, we, as the reader, we know the Nile are, or the Nihil are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And there's basically like the GPS of the ship is going to tell you that it's a GPS. that also has a recorder yeah, so and the, the whole premise of the book is that there is a ship that's in hyperspace. It detects an anomaly and the captain tries to avoid it, but they're moving at the speed of light or something above the speed of light and the ship can't handle movement at that speed and rips apart. And Mm -hmm. so all the pieces of the ship are basically flying through space at the speed of light and then dropping out of hyperspace in the system and crashing into ships. They're crashing into planets, into moons. And because they're 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 traveling at... They're killing or on the course to kill billions. Yeah, because they're traveling at the speed of light. It's not just a regular friggin' asteroid. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's going to disintegrate a moon. It's not another happy landing. Yeah. 
Yeah, the whole first, you know, third third of the book yeah. is revolving around what they call the great disaster. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very brilliant that different chapters would say this is, minutes this is where we are. This is kind of what's going on. Yeah, I like This it. is how long to impact. I like that a lot. That was very, very cool. It's and very so, comics-y. Yeah, exactly. Which is ironic because Charles Soule is a comic writer. I don't think it's uh, ironic. I think it's... Well, I'm just saying it's... it's because it is. Interesting. <laughs> it's amazing because it is. Um, but yeah, you, so you finally have the, the impact. Um, but right before the impact is when Avar Chris is able to unite mm-hmm. the minds. It was unite a very... It was a very uh, people of Earth. Lend me your energy so I can create a spirit bomb to defeat Majin Buu. Moment. Oh my god! Um, so Avar Chris is like this with her hand up in the sky, and yep, that's uh, what they're doing. It's actually really cool because she's floating in the air and she's she's talking to them through the forest. We will move it. We will move it. And um, and so there's this moment, like you said, where. Uh, Jedi that were in the vicinity started to faint and lose their strength and stuff like that. And then their strength and their unity in the Force kind of pings other Jedi throughout the galaxy. And mm-hmm. it talks about Yoda, wherever he was, yeah, also sent his... Yeah, Jedi Masters all the way from Coruscant were learning yeah. their strength. Uh, just incredible stuff. Yeah. So we talked a lot about the... Uh, well, let, we got a couple more characters we'll run through them. So we got uh, Elzar Man. He's a Jedi Knight slash Master. Mm-hmm. We got Bel Zedifar. He's the apprentice of Loden Great Storm. Yeah. He's one of the main characters. He's very cool. Um, it's cool to see kind of... I think one of the coolest things we've gotten out of this uh, series of books and comics is seeing the process of moving from Jedi Padawan to Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. And we see that with yeah, Bel Zedifar Bell's a little bit. Bel's thing is he's an amazing Jedi and he needs to grow in his trusting of the force to get mm-hmm. to that next level. And then we've got obviously uh Master Skier who we've talked about a little bit. He's a Trandoshan Jedi, which is just kind of a big deal for the fact that he's a Trandoshan Jedi. Um and then one of the uh, He had like one little piece of dialogue in the whole book, but it was great. Yeah. It was very touching. And then uh we've got a Supreme Chancellor So, Lena mm-hmm. So. She seems like a really cool character. Yeah, she's a cool um, character. She's very uniting. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because so much of what we see in Star Wars, anyone that's Chancellor, like, don't trust them. Yeah. Well, but and Chancellors she... typically are very divisive because they're either playing to one side of the aisle or the other. Yeah. And she's very much the opposite of that. And, yeah, she's she's the greatest Star Wars politician we've probably ever seen. Mm-hmm. As um, far as in her genuineness of purpose. Yeah. I don't count Leia as or like a politician. Some, because... Somewhere like Padme. You know what I mean? Where yeah. Whatever she's doing, it's very genuine. Yeah. So her, her idea Except for is... she's successful. Yeah, her idea is, and this is big throughout the book. Uh, we are all the republic. Dyke that's is sad. That's what she wants. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she wants to be remembered for. That's her legacy. Yeah, is we are all legacy. the republic, which is what Starlight Beacon is all about. Is the republic and the Jedi have kind of come to, together to create this yeah. um, nice Death Star, is yeah, how you put it's it. Like the the opposite of the Death Star. Yeah. Um, instead so. of a instead of a beacon of tyranny and intimidation, it's. This is the first one they're going to try it out, mm-hmm. but their goal is to have multiples of this all across the galaxy that help communication and travel from the inner rim all the way to the edges of the outer rim and yeah. and, and dang near wild space yeah. to unify the Republic as one well, entity. It, it seems like the outer rim is kind of like what wild space is in mm-hmm. the time of the prequels, um, but we did finally get a more solid indication of what Starlight Beacon was to represent. It was a, a hospital. It was a ship repair yard. It was uh, the Smithsonian. It had, you know, freaking uh, like an arboreum. It's basically all the best things about living in the core worlds. Well, and the outer rim as well. Um, yeah. They had like just plants and fa- like flora and fauna from uh, all over the outer rim. Yeah. It was a way for, um, you know, it was that first Thanksgiving dinner that brought everyone together. <laughs> I mean, it's that. It's uh, the second biggest Jedi temple now in the galaxy. Yep. Um, it's supposed to be a, it's made of like, I don't know, like 19 or 13% of like this very highly conductive metal in the sense that it works as like a relay station to mm-hmm. increase transmission speeds from the outer rim to the core. Um, it's basically everything that the core has that the outer rim doesn't have, and it's meant to be 
the movement of those assets into the outer rim. I think there's also like, it's a trade post. Yeah. It's like everything you would ever need. Yeah. And it's supposed to be so massive that even the Republic's bank account felt it. Yeah. It's big enough that they're like, we need to finish this on time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a risk, mm-hmm. but the reward was so rich, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and sadly, from what we know of the prequels, I don't think it really pans out. So it seems like. Republic credits don't work out there. We'll see. But you have heard of me. You have heard of me. Okay, uh, yeah, so the Republic was really cool. It was a very small moment, but if you've read Heir to the Empire, uh, there's a crazy moment where um, Luke is on Coruscant, and he is looking out towards what's called the Minari Mountains. And drinking a nice cup of hot chocolate. Yeah. That exotic drink that Lando introduced him to. Exactly. And it's very tasty. And, uh, and drinking in his night robe. He's, when he's Talk looking out there. All right. He's trying looking to paint out a there. wholesome picture here. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice picture. Uh, but he's looking out and it was so cool to see Timothy Zahn's mind. Mm-hmm. Of course, as a reader, I'm like, it's a, it's a city. The whole thing's a city. But it was cool because they brought that back around. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very, that was a very nice thing of Mr. Sewell to do to give a shout out, you know, to Tim Zahn's Minari Mountains. Minari Mountains. And they said that's nice. He said that uh, just basically the base of the mountain had already started to have work done on it, and yeah. really just the upper echelons of the mountain were left as far as nature goes. Well, and he talks about how deliberate it was to keep it for every person in power to have kept that along, to mm-hmm. have safeguarded it for the sake of having it. Right. So that was just a little cool tidbit, but the Republic is doing a lot of good. Um, It's very interesting to see. I got used to it over the course of 13 hours listening to the book, but at first I didn't trust anybody. Like Mm -hmm. the chancellor, she would say something and I was like, what are you up to? Mm -hmm. Uh, The military and I'd be like, I don't trust you either. (laughs) But over the course of the book, it really does go to show that it's the high Republic for a reason that everyone's Mm -hmm. working for the betterment of everyone else. And it's a beautiful family field that everyone needs to be involved the core worlds have everything they really need but let's get stuff to the outer rim yeah. um when we talk quite a bit about now the republic and the jedi let's talk a little bit about what shakes the jedi to the core what are the jedi afraid of and that is the nihil yeah well i think at the end of the day we have to remember that this book is just the beginning of mm-hmm. a massive project and i think it's going to end up being three novels and like countless junior novels and comics Mm -hmm. um so my take on it if we're going full spoilers to the very last chapter uh let's just let's just introduce him a little bit okay so we haven't really talked about it so marshall i don't think i don't think that the (coughs) nihil themselves are what the jedi fear okay so we got marshall row he's like the main villain they call him the eye of the nihil yeah and so uh, essentially what that means is the real power that the Nihil have is in their ability to appear and disappear at will via their greater understanding of hyperspace via a little old lady yep. who is something of an anomaly in the entire s- timeline of all of Star Wars. Yeah, her name is Mari Santeca. Yeah. And I was very interested if the Santeca family is the same as Lore Santeca, who is the old man at the beginning of The Force Awakens who says... This will begin to make things right. Yeah, that might be confirmed later on. I don't think we have anything to. We have no confirmation yet. Um, But Mari Santeca somehow has the ability to see. It's very much like what the Chiss have in Skywalker's, where they're able to. She's able to see paths. When it's a little bit different in that they're doing it via the Force. I think she literally visually sees the different paths that you can take while in hyperspace. Yeah, it, I they, think it describes that she sees it just visually. She can navigate it differently. Yeah, and so it's really strange because she can be plugged. It's Star Wars. She mm-hmm. can be plugged into a ship. And the way that her mind knows where to go, she can navigate a ship. Yeah. And there's a part of the book where it talks about how um, if people were going, you know, vertically, she's able to move horizontally. Mm-hmm. You know, she can move laterally, I guess is the correct term. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it describes one of the ships it doesn't require being hyperlanes perpendicular to a hyperlane going straight across it. Yeah. Um, Which you would think it would be like, you know, 
something landing in the river and going downstream. She's yeah. just shooting across. They didn't really explore or She's explain really, why. She's really, really, uh, basically National Lampoon after he daggum greases up that pan yeah, yeah. shooting all the way across the highway and she's super old and she she's been kidnapped everybody for, else is staying on the mountain this is her third generation of Roe. because you had i think marcion and his father and the grandmother before that okay and she was just a little girl when she was kidnapped and so she's it's been so long and she's so old that she doesn't really even remember i think being she, kidnapped. Yeah, she's like roughly 100 years old yeah um and so she's basically the secret weapon of Marcion Rowe. <laughs> uh, Good one. They're very secretive about, and that's how they get way her. out west. Way out west. Yeah, exactly. And so that's how uh, they get to Green River. <laughs> Let's do this again. Yeah. And uh, so underneath the eye, but kind of not underneath. It's very interesting the way that this organization is set up. So they have what's called the Rule of Three. Right. So. There are three main crime bosses within the Nihil that are not Martian Row. That are called Tempests. They're called Tempests. Or and Tempest so, Runners or something like that. Yeah. Under them are uh, like basically factions that break down. I think it is the Storm and then Cloud and then Strike. Mm-hmm. You know, from most powerful to least powerful. And their whole thing is that they're a storm. Yeah. And I think a storm has their own ship. Mm-hmm. And then a cloud is just kind of like a lieutenant in the strike. It's a group it's just within a the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so we have three of those, and they're each unique, and they're each unique in the way that they operate and in the type of person that they recruit to fit yeah. in with their organization. So you have Lorna D. She is a Twi'lek. I believe she's described as being like emaciated and pale, and I think she had like she paints like white stripes on herself, something mm-hmm. like that. Um. And so she's very uh, self-absorbed, and her ship is called the Lorna D. And it, she's interesting because she is not self-absorbed in this. I mean, she is, but she's very uh, cards close to her vest. Yeah. Um, she always well, speaks last. Well, it's interesting last. because they don't. They all work together, but none but they're of all them looking out for number one. Likes the other really and the way that the organization is set up um basically everybody gets a hit of every job yeah so they only stick together because it's best for them okay so hear me out they don't like each other they said the rule of three right Mm -hmm. and there's three factions Mm -hmm. but the eye also gets a third yeah so how many thirds are there all of them you see what i'm saying that kind of confused me a little bit i am I understand. It's all threes. But who? Okay, so you if, see the movie Twenty Three. If the eye gets, Carrey? yes, I got it's it. That. If it's the eye gets a third, does the captain get a third, and then the captain's crew gets a third? Is that how that works? Hmm. I don't. It doesn't say anybody else's break except for the eye. Okay. Who I imagine is wealthy beyond belief. Yeah. So uh, Lorna D but, is a character. But he only gets a third of the jobs that they use paths for. Correct. Yes. So if they have just like their own operation that they don't need his help for, they get to keep all that. Right. Uh, secondly, you have Pan Ada. Yeah, Pan Ada is a uh, Doatin. Yeah. Which and is the if you've seen the Force Awakens when they're in Maz's castle, there's a giant looks like a Trandoshan kind of, but they but have the way two bigger two chin spikes. Yeah. And uh, in Force Awakens, the guy just goes. Bleh. Um, but very, very huge characters. And so he's one of those. And then thirdly, you have Kasav. And Kasav is the mouthiest, most aggressive, most annoying son of a gun. He's a weak way. And he's, uh, he's always the one that says something first. He always mouths yeah. off. He's probably the most selfish in the sense that he's so selfish, he'll ruin a good thing for the sake of... And he's the most initially aggressive. He's definitely yeah. the most... Uh, he's short-sighted. first ask questions later. Yeah, he's very short-sighted. Um, he's not, he just seems uncouth. He's not precise in what he does. There's no order to it. It's just Hulk smash. You know he's I mean? very much like, um, anytime you see a pirate movie, there's like pirates who are just crazy. And then there's the boss pirate who's like, shut up, you scallywags. And they actually have a plan. Mm-hmm. He's the guy underneath that guy. Yeah. He doesn't really have a plan, but he feels like he should be in charge. And so yeah. those three guys or those three characters uh, are responsible for creating this crazy faction, the Nihil. And the th- the crazy thing is, 
they don't know. The only one that knows where the paths come from is the eye, yeah. Martian. And, and he safeguarded it because if they knew, they would just kill him. Yeah, they would just kill him because they just need the old lady. Well, but and the other she thing has is... a finite number of paths that she can see because she's so old. Yeah. She's not limited by what she can see, but her time is running out, basically. Right. And so he's got a database that he's just he's just stockpiling those bad boys away. Um, and then he the other thing is that the other three have an army, basically, under each of them. Mm-hmm. And he's just shooting it from the hip. He's just him. Yeah, it's him. It's his ship. And I think he's got like something of a small contingent of very gnarly assault droids. Yeah, he has droids and he has a doctor to take care of the old lady. Who's a Chadra fan and useless from the sound of it. <laughs> um, and so it's interesting. I'll tell you what I think they fear because that was the big thing. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> thing that they fear, which was the big, what do the Jedi fear? That's what we said when we sat down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a moment in um, the very close to the very beginning of the book where it talks about uh, Baryaga could sense fear in others, but it was foreign feeling to him because Jedi weren't supposed to feel fear. Mm-hmm. It talks about Bell um, trying to push fear out of his mind of falling, mm-hmm. you know? So there's this vision uh, that uh, Homeboy has at the end of the book where... Yeah, Elzar man. Yeah, Elzar has a vision of just their Jedi being tortured and they're in pain and they are running for their lives and not retreating, but running. That's the big deal. Yeah, they're not retreating to get it. You know, let's regroup. Mm-hmm. It's they're they're scattering basically, yeah. and it says that he realizes the thing that shakes him to the core is in their eyes he sees fear, mm-hmm. and whatever. It's almost like the typical, only thing left to fear is fear itself. Yeah, it's kind of thing, they're. I think what they're most afraid of is fear. That's the thing that they're trying to avoid. And there's something that Martian Rowe is up to. That will cause this fear to take place. Yeah. I kept waiting for a big reveal, like, yeah, it's the Nihil because my granddad was Darth Nihilus. I didn't know. Oh, I was just, God. I kept waiting for something crazy. No, I thought he was cool. I liked the way that Mark Thompson did his voice. Yeah, uh, very. His very atypical villain voice. It almost seemed like American Warner Herzog inspired. Yeah. Um, so we're right at 45 minutes. We're getting ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, but what do you think is next from where we're at right now at the end of this because the very end of this kind of goes into where the comic picks up yeah i think we're gonna i think we're gonna get more local skirmishes further on in the comic series i think we're just gonna get introduced to kind of little things going on here and there in the galaxy i think the main storylines are gonna take place in the novel Mm -hmm. um, for the most part because the characters that were in the comics are like not at all talked about Mm. you know what i mean uh, I think we're going to have that little sideline with Skier because we had the cliffhanger ending with Skier that we didn't get a resolution to. Right. Um, but I like that uh, Martian Rowe says he doesn't have plans because those can get, you know, they can easily fall apart. He has goals. Which can be accomplished any number of ways. It's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, he's very... Um... I was telling Samuel, he's kind of like a more schemey Kylo Ren character. He's like if Kylo Ren and Snoke had a baby and also that baby didn't have the force. Yeah. He's very schemey. It's a, yeah. He's... The whole book, he looks like it's kind of out of his control and he's just trying to grapple it. And then you find out that he was large and in charge the entire time. The entire time. I am I like the one that. that crashed. I can't remember the ship's name. But like all that stuff. Um... The moment where he uh, he kills Kosov yeah, and is like, you know, I think you killed my dad. And if it wasn't you, I'll kill the other two later. Yeah. Uh, or he freaking, he bested him in a hand-to-hand combat. He threw a vibro star and cut off most of his hand. And then when they were leaving the meeting, he goes, don't forget your hand. Yeah. It's a very interesting sounding character. Pretty ballin'. Um, we don't know what species he is, by the way. Yeah, if he's gray skin. That's all gray we know. skin and black eyes. All yeah. the way black. So he's probably a demon. Uh, but it's very interesting. I don't know what's next. Um, if you're thinking uh, something along the lines of the... Uh, what's uh, Rook? What are they called? Uh, oh, a Nogri? Yeah. He has hair, so he's not a Nogri. Yeah. No, no, he's too tall, too. He's too tall as well. Um, it's very That's interesting. I, I don't say. know what's next, Uh 
but something's coming down the pike, and he knows. Um, Dude, he is in charge, bro. He knows something. Yeah, and he's got a backstory that I know that they're they barely barely just told you existed. That's yeah. probably going to come into play. That the Jedi failed his people, or something along those lines. Yeah, he's got some sort of secret weapon. Yeah, and I don't understand what his goal is because he doesn't care about the plundering. Dude, I don't know. Because there's a point in the beginning of the book where he's like, "Are you enjoying the party? It's a big party. I wouldn't say it's a good party." Um, so he doesn't it's a really big party. He doesn't really care about that side of things. He's funny. Dude. So he wants to grow his little empire because yeah. the the main speech he is is we're gonna keep plundering forever. I have unlimited plans. I have unlimited blah blah blah. Um, and I guess he's just working that little Everything lady to death. And everyone is a tool. What he doesn't is, care about anybody, dude. So what is his... Um, he called you a tool, bro. He <laughs> he has... Okay, so she has limited life. Yeah. Is he just like working her to death as many paths as she can find and he's just going to put it in a he's palm got pilot? That, he's got that database. It's described as having like thousands and thousands of paths. And so, so as long as he you makes keep it that sound bad boy like on he's shuffle. basically got most of the... He's got most of the galaxy planned out right now. He's got it mapped out. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Man. That's why he's been working her so hard, and I think he's been letting the others kind of. Oh, take one thing the that home. was really cool was that he uh, he obviously captures Master Greatstorm, and he Jedi Knight. Uh, yeah, but they said when you're talking to a Jedi, you can call him Master because you don't want to offend him by saying something that is below them. Uh, but Master it was, Buryaga. It was very interesting. Yeah. It was really oh, interesting. Just a Padawan learner, dude. That's like the worst line. That's the one that gets me. Um, it's interesting because uh, he says that his ability to use the Force is diminished when there's great pain and suffering around him. Mm-hmm. So he keeps him basically in the middle cell he of like a him prison. In a prison surrounded by people that are just being tortured at random. No reason for it other than they're a tool to keep him weak. Freaking yeah. brilliant. And That's he, pathological, dude. <laughs> and he needs the Jedi for something. I'm thinking he plans to break them and maybe use them as a... He, it's either a revenge thing because they failed his people, and it says something about him thinking about getting away from his past but not successfully doing it. So it's either a revenge thing and he wants the Jedi to fall, or he wants to systematically imprison Jedi so that he can use them to basically map out new paths. Yeah, that makes sense. Is my guess. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because there's that moment in the Thrawn books where Vader basically takes hold of the ship and uses the Force to navigate stuff. Mm-hmm. The Skywalker. So that's very interesting. But yeah, who knows what's next? It was really great. Um, if I'm you excited. are a reader, uh, pick up this book because it's a great read. If you're more of a listen while you drive person, it is on uh, Audible. And Mark Thompson big time stepped up his game for this particular novel he kills it yeah very very good job so i hope you guys enjoyed it if you have any questions about the story and you're just like i'm not going to read it i have a question ask (laughs) us reach out to us on instagram um please share this video like this video subscribe to the channel and we'll see you guys next week remember may the force be with you and high republic or not the only family you have here is me. We'll see you next week.